with a marksman ain't nobody ever gave us nothing you work for everything you get and you work some more come on CEO mind, that marketing plan was me No marketing plan B, turn Mark when the MC shit Told him I was coming, so part in the stampede The game dirty as could be, but part of me can't leave It's motivational music, you holding back on something There's motivation to do it They ever doubted you, there's motivation to prove it Tomorrow's never promised, so all that waiting is foolish Just understand they gon' laugh at first and probably call it trash at first Did my 10,000 hours, this had to work It don't matter, keep going, that's how passion works I don't want it now, I want it right now This is an obsession, this is a lifestyle Everything I dream, I'ma write down And hit these goals till they turn the fucking lights out I ain't want nothing so bad in my life I ain't never think twice, I made the sacrifice And I'ma give it all that I got Easy money sniper, bitch, yeah, I'm calling my shot I ain't want nothing so bad in my life. I ain't never think twice. Ready I made God. the sacrifice. Rob, what up? I'ma give it all that I got. Easy uh. money sniper, bitch. Yeah, I'm calling my shot. Welcome to Rebel Without Applause, where we explore the intersection of sports, entertainment, and culture. I'm your host, Maurice Bob, and today we have a very special guest on the line. He is one of the most important voices in hip hop culture, who has written and hosted for Double XL. MTV News, and now he is the VP of Content Strategy at Genius. On top of all that, he's also an MC with two M albums under his belt, Right to Dream and It's Too Late at the Wake. And he has a brand new hot single on deck named Easy Money Sniper. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Rob Markman to the program. Hey, man, thank you for having me, man. This That's crazy. Uh, is, is it wild to hear, you know, that you're doing some MC, uh, you know, dropping tracks on on the other side of it? A little bit, just because. Look, man, you and I go back to it and have worked together back in the Double XL days, and and just writing and you know, and landing stuff. And, and you was heavily involved in that and Slam Magazine back in the day. So we all kind of come from the same era, the same school. And, and you know, I was rapping back then, but it, it was looked down upon. And, and I was definitely discouraged from doing it. So, you know, yeah, it feel good now to hear it and, and that, you know, it's accepted and I could just kind of be me and, and still be professional, but still be artistic. Of course. You know what I'm saying? So I'm grateful for it. So, you know, uh, our favorite uh, question to start things off, obviously, is, you know, what's your most rebellious moment? Uh, and it could be professional or personal. Uh, you know, I think I have an idea, but you know, I'll let you drive the car on that one. <laughs> My most rebellious moment. Yeah. There was a couple, none lately, man. I've been pretty cool lately. I, I mean, I, shit, that's a tough one. I, I guess for me was, or at least how I felt, was dropping my first project officially, the Right to Dream project. I, I was told so long that I couldn't do it, that I couldn't be a journalist, I couldn't be in the music industry like that and be an artist at the same time, that it was a conflict of interest. It had never worked. So, you know, that it, in a selfish way, that was probably my most rebellious. Like, I just woke up and I was like, fuck it. Like, who gonna tell me no? Like, who gonna stop me? Like, you know, exactly. I looked around. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, you know, I was like, I'm at a different point in my career. So um, that, that was probably my most rebellious. 
in a while. So now you you two albums in. What are those same people? You know, what are they chirping about now? You know, are they saying, "Oh man, you made that was a good move"? Or? I don't know. Uh, you know, I I've had people tell me that yeah, they like they're kind of like proud or or inspired to see me do it or glad that I stuck with it. Um, I don't pay too much attention to it, but you know, I get I definitely get a lot of support, man. Folks like and who who were even supportive of me back then, folks like Dayton Thomas. Um, hey, Twan, man. that yeah. guy right there, man, he is, uh, I don't think he get enough credit for not, not just the lives that he's touched, but the people that he's mentored, the, mm-hmm. uh, the trails that he's blazed. I mean, that guy, and he's still going, you know, uh, yeah. he really needs his flowers now, man. Yeah, no, I'll say I wouldn't be here without Daytuan. I think I would have quit a long time ago. Like Daytuan kind of gave me the, the. The assurance that that I had what it took, because there was times when I was like, man, I don't think I'm cut out for this business, man. Like, I love the music, I don't think I'm cut out for this business. And Daytuan definitely talked me off of some proverbial ledges. But um, he, you know, he had he had supported me then, even when he first found out I did music. He saw it on two dope boys and that, right? And his first comment was like, damn, that's why your interviews be so good. Like, you could relate. He was like, man, maybe you don't have the success of the artist that you interview, but damn, at least you know what the process is like to create something and then have to put it out and stand by it. He was like, man, that's why your interviews are so good. And Daytuan always supported me. Um, Sway always supported me. Um, shout out to Ramon Dukes too, always supported me. Um, you know, and, and yeah, there's some people who come around and there's still naysayers though. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's cool too. I, I still get those comments like, man, stick to, Stick to journalism, stick to rapping and, and shit like that. And even, you know, there have been artists who, who says slick shit or say shit under their breath or sneaky hating. I love all of that shit. It motivates me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, if you don't have some haters, you're not doing things right. That's uh, a fact. Yeah, that's, that's how it goes, man. Um, let's, you know, let's, let's uh, go back in the hot tub time machine. You know, take me back to the days when, you know, you were in the mail room and, you know, dreaming of this music stuff, man. You know, take me back to that time. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, coming up in New York, first of all, it was just all around. And when I worked in the mailroom, I worked for a company named Dahlia's. We were across the street from Hot 97. So when I, I was um taking the mail from the office to the post office, I, I used to have to pass Hot 97, man. You see all types of rappers coming in and out of there and, and DJs and from Angie Martinez to Mr. C, the Flex to um dj enough like legends yeah and you know i used to stand out there for my lunch break and hand out my mixtape you know what i mean and um to any djs that would come by or any artists that would come through like during those mailroom days like i remember kanye going on his press run for college dropout and i'm handing kanye a song i did i hand you know i tried to give my shit to j-lo i remember giving music to angie martinez and raekwon um the list goes sure. on. Yeah. So I remember too, I fooled Raekwon too. I felt kind of bad because I put it, I, I it was a song I did about it was about sneakers, and I knew Ray was a sneakerhead. So I put <laughs> it in, I put it in the Nike box and I handed it to him. And he was like, Oh, you got me kicks. <laughs> and when he opened it, he said, Oh, it's a CDI piece, God. <laughs> a nice so, bait and switch right there. Yeah. So um you know, presentations, everything. But yeah, when I was working in the mailroom, the company I was working for, a lot of rappers worked for that company. A lot of like local New York, 
some some people that broke on the national international scale that people have heard of i mean um amil was a supervisor amil from rockefeller days like i seen her go from from where we used to work at a company called delia's and then you turn around and she on mtv you know what i'm saying can i get her and okay, so, be trippy. yeah it, it was just inspiration it was like oh that's possible um immortal technique worked there for a time and, and seeing what he was able to do with his career and um rest in peace pumpkin head you know new york legend uh, you know his name ring bells outside in new york but he's definitely a legend in new york um bad seed uh you know it's a lot of like you know just rappers just again new york legends that we we looked up to so it was all around and 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 i, I was into that the same way you know yeah what did you have do you have any like um do you remember any kind of encouragement you might have gotten from people that you passed out your, your mixtape to? Anybody encourage you to keep it going or nah. get back to you? Yeah, I mean, some people, like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I, I definitely, like, I was doing shows out here and, you know, um, I know, you know, again, we, if we're talking about it, depends on how in tune you are to, to New York City and underground. And, and some people, like I said, have bigger nor, notoriety. I, I just, I'm an underground head, so I, I never assume who people might have heard of, but um mc named wordsworth um okay. was in new york he he was very instrumental in the lyricist lounge okay. um tv show when it was on mtv i used to see him in open mics he used to help me out a lot like give me words of encouragement at the time him and, and his partner punch was signed to track masters so you know and, and actually i was featured on the track with wordsworth and um another mc by the name of rise and that was the first time i was on two dope boys like so you know i got on blogs fucking with them so yeah, seeing them was always dope, and, and I got encouragement from them. Um, I'm trying to think, man. It, you know, it, it was definitely, and then you know, there were some people that that just weren't encouraging, and, and you got to fight through that. You know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, Mortal Technique was always encouraging. Pumpkinhead always had a dope word. I remember one time. It's funny, and I love to see that LP from Run the Jewels is having this great success. He used to be in a group called Company Flow in New York. I remember Company Flow, yeah. So they they had dropped their second album. It was called Little Johnny from the Hospital, and it was just an instrumental album. It was all beats. It was no rhymes. So for the album release party, they just played the instrumental album, and LP and Company Flow were just inviting all of their friends on stage to rhyme. And, um, you know, there was this crew called the Indelible MC. He's a guy named Breezy Bruin from the Juggernauts and Jay Treads. I knew Jay Treads. I didn't know LP. So I kind of bogarted my way on stage and <laughs> Jay Treads passed me the mic. So I got my shit off. I got my verse off. I'm in high school at the time. I'm getting my verse off. And LP was so pissed because he ain't know me. He was like, yo, who is this kid? Who gave him the mic? But I was just going so they couldn't kick me off the stage. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it was just funny. So, you know, I was like kind of around in that circle. And and once I got to know LP for real, like on a professional level, maybe I, I reminded him of the story and uh, he, he apologized. He was like, damn, I feel so bad. I was an asshole back then. I said, bro, you don't got to apologize to me. I hijacked your stage. I ain't got no business up there. I try to be slick. But um, so it, it's funny the way that you just kind of run into people. I remember being young and, and like handing my, my mixtape to Talib Kweli and trying to get Talib to pay attention to shit like that. So I was just running around New York doing shit like that. 
Hey, I mean, you you got to do what you got to do. Um, mm-hmm. as, and I was, now take me to the decision where you know you're in the mail room, you're uh, trying to get on, passing out your mixtapes, and then you know this is where I knew about you. You know, you're mm-hmm. over at Double XL. How did how did you get uh, to? I guess not say put down the mic, but focus on the writing piece. Yeah, nah. Well, what happened was I did years of freelancing. So when I was in the mailroom, definitely doing my MC thing, working in the mailroom. I'm also going to college at the same time. So I'm working in the mailroom to put myself through college because um, I went to a, to a city school. So the tuition wasn't that expensive. Um, and when I graduated, I still was working in the mailroom and I didn't really have too much direction or, or I didn't have anywhere to go. You know what I'm saying? And And there was a lot of people who were just like, yo, you, you're dope working in the mailroom. Like, people used to tell me, like, I used to think I was going to be in the mailroom forever. They were like, man, you're good at it. Just stay there. I'm like, yo, you fucking crazy? Like, <laughs> but anyway, um, my man Tim Hotep um, hired me to do a freelance album review for Complex. This is when Complex first started, and it was just a magazine. And he got me in the game, and, and you know, that's one of my best friends. We went to high school together, and he just gave me a shot. So from that first complex review, then all of a sudden I started writing reviews for the source and then double XL. You, you know how it go. Like when you first come into the game, the only thing they let you write was the reviews until exactly. you could prove yourself. So I was writing a lot of record reviews for a lot of years. And then I graduated to doing like showing proofs on double XL for a freelance level. And shout out to Don Diva. Don Diva magazine was the first magazine that gave me a cover story. I, 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 Kevin Childs and Tiffany, like they believed in me early when, you know, the source of Double XL wouldn't dare give, give me a cover story. Don Diva saw it in me and gave me a cover story. And so, you know, just years of freelancing and building up clips. And then my first job was actually at Scratch Magazine. If you remember Scratch Magazine. Man, I remember Scratch. Scratch was the joint. That was like the sister magazine of Double XL. But, you know, it's for producers. So instead of rappers on the cover, that's where you'll see like your Pharrell's on the cover. And so producers and DJs will get in the covers of Scratch Magazine. So I got them, um, my man, Brendan Frederick, who is actually over at Genius now as chief content officer, he hired me. So he hired me from out of the mailroom when nobody wanted to take a chance. Like I was trying to get a job at Vibe, like John Caramonica wouldn't even sit with me. Like, I don't even think he would look at my resume and my clip. <laughs> like it was hard out here. And um, Brendan hired me at Scratch and then three months later, Scratch folded. So um, Scratch folded. I got laid off and Elliot Wilson was the editor-in-chief with XXL at the time. And Elliot was kind of like, yo, just don't, just hold on. I'm gonna bring you over to XXL. I just can't do it now. Give me three months. And I'm like, fam, I can't wait three months. Like I got, I had my son and I had another one on, on the way. I said, man, I got kids to feed. I can't wait three months. So gotta hustle. yeah, he was like, I respect it. So I started getting freelance work, more freelance work for XXL. And then, um, Three months later, I ended up working there, you know, full time. Dope, man. Uh, I always thought of you as like this um, this SME of rap culture, you know, like the subject matter expert. Um, and you, and you, made a, you made a good point there where, you know, you actually knew how to compose music and put songs together, things like that. So you understood how to review uh, what it took to be an artist and things like that. It's almost like if you're a sports analyst, if you played the game, and you know all the little nuances, how to how to you know spot defenses and all those other things, and you right. call it out. You know, how was that transition for you and kind of 
jumping on both sides of the fence while you were writing, but also, you know, putting together music. I I, I loved it because at the end, at the end of the day, I was a fan. At the end of the day, so like I couldn't believe. Let's keep it real. The music wasn't making me no money. I would get shows here and there for a couple hundred dollars. I would win battles and make a couple hundred dollars, but it wasn't nothing that I could make a living off of. So I was happy. I couldn't believe what they were paying me to write album. You know, this back in the the dollar word era. Oh man, I remember that. <laughs> Those were the good days, right there. <laughs> the dollar word era, and I used to hustle it because I was like, at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm gonna hustle this shit. Like, I realized, let's say they gave me a week to write an album review, I'd turn it in in three days. I still had to make sure the quality was up, but I realized I was like, damn, what do editors have a hard time with? They probably have a hard time with quality. And I knew early on, I was like, oh, writers don't hit deadlines for shit. So no. I said, I said, if I could cut my deadline time in half and still make my work as good, I can increase. And that's what started happening with the source. I was turning shit in early and the editor was just like, all right, do another review. So instead of getting one review a month in a lot of magazines, I was getting two. You know what I'm saying? And I saw it as a hustle like that because I, I couldn't believe that they were paying me to write. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess. Also, look, I had to learn, too. I, I learned a lot from editors. I didn't come in like an amazing writer. I had to learn. But yeah, I, I do think I had a knack to describe music. And you know, I knew what 16 bars were. I knew what an internal rhyme scheme was. I knew the difference between the kick and the snare. I knew what the instruments was. I knew where the samples came from. Like, so it was easier for me to describe music. Um, I think, which, which I, I guess gave me an advantage. I never thought about it like that, but yeah. Yeah, it, it does. It, it, you know, like it took me a while, you know, I'm a, a bit of a student of the old school and it took me a while to like decipher where a sample might've come from and things like that. And I would spot it later in other newer songs and stuff like that. So that helped me to sort of really relate, uh, you know, to any kind of music artist uh, they had to deal with. Um, you know, so you were at Double XL for a while. You know, what's your, you know, I guess favorite memories uh, from being there? And what are some of the things that you actually were able to implement? Just the early days of the freshman cover. I'm really, really proud of those. Like I was part of the staff that really made that a thing and set that off um, the right way. I'm proud about that. I'm proud of the opportunities that we were able to give the light that we were able to shine on artists. Because when I came into it, like, obviously I'm a fan of Jay-Z, I'm a fan of Lil Wayne, I'm a fan of Dr. Dre. And I, I realized I wasn't getting those assignments. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, so I, what I would do is um, I would focus on on the younger cats, you know? And, and, and that's where I, I, I kind of develop my relationships you know, with the Wiz Khalifas early on or the Mac Millers, rest in peace, um, the Kendricks and, and just, I was like, all right, so I'm just going to spot stuff early. And, um, and it, it was dope to see a lot of those careers flourish in, in the way that they had. And knowing that I was part of a team that had something to do with that, like, you know, it, there's, um, you know, you could argue whether the freshman cover, you could argue, look, was Big Sean going to become Big Sean with, with or without the freshman cover? I believe so. Was Kendrick going to be Kendrick? Like, I believe so. Like, let, let's not fool ourselves. But, you know, to, to feel like you were having some part in that was something that I always took pride in. It was cool. You know what I mean? Do you feel like, um, you know, just like you remember your first cover that you were able to write for, do you feel like some of these artists remember the first cover that you might have put them on? I hope so. I don't know. 
<laughs> some, some, like, yeah, yeah. Obviously, when we see each other, we talk about it. The relationships are weird, though. I, I, I mean, you know, um, some people blow up and, and you still have really great relationships with them. And I keep really great relationships. And then some artists are out of here. And when they're out of here, they're <laughs> truly the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> and, you know, it'd be a little, it was like, damn, man, I, I put it on the line. Remember when nobody was fucking with you? <laughs> and, and, and I was fucking with you, and we was fucking with you. So you know, you know, like the relationship between media and artists are like a—it's a little disingenuous in a lot of ways. It's great when, when you know, but you know, it's—I uh, don't know. Motherfuckers use each other. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? A lot. Um, but mm-hmm. now nah, I've been able to keep good relationships. I—I I, I don't think I—I I, I have taken my career as far if if the relationships weren't attacked. You know what I mean? I feel like, you know, you make a good point. Like if you're at a double XL and you help somebody to blow and they become mainstream, you know, they kind of turn their back a little bit on on black media. It started with the GQs. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? the, 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 the New York Times is calling like all of that. And, and uh, all right, cool. But, you know, it's like anything. It's like I right, catch you on the way down. And then, exactly. You know, may, maybe on the way down, you know, I might not want to do it. I might not be as inspired to the, you know, you just never know, man. Um, but I try to keep my my intentions pure and genuine. And at the end of the day, this is a business. And, you know, within this business, again, you make a lot of great relationships and then some of it is just work. You know what I mean? And, and that's cool, too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, you know, you went from double XL and exactly, you know, you went to the mainstream, you went to MTV News, where it's just kind of wide open. I mean, they cover everything, especially pop. Yeah, uh, but you were like the rap, like I said, the rap, if, uh, rap culture SME. You know, you brought that flavor, uh, you know, to MTV News. Can you talk about what made you go there, and you know, kind of just what your outlook was when you got there? Yeah, I just knew my time was up at Double XL. You know, it became a time. I learned a lot at Double XL, like, and and got to do so much great stuff. And and and, but you know, there, there was also experiences where I'm just like, yo, I'm not growing anymore, and it. it, it it just wasn't a great experience for me towards the end. Um, so there, there was really a time, I ain't gonna lie, like, I talked about this before too a little bit. Like, there was shit that was going on in Double XL. When I look back at it now, like when I was in it, it just felt bad. But when I look back at it now, I'm like, yo, none of this shit will fly in the workplace. Like, this was abuse from... <laughs> From literally like wages, from like pay to how management would talk to you and, and shit. Like it was like, yo, you crazy. And I, I knew I had to get out of there. And but at the time, I'm just like, what's bigger than double XL? Like, where I'm gonna go? Who's gonna want me? Part of that abuse that happens in the workplace sometimes is people kind of telling you you ain't shit to the point where it's a detriment if you start believing it, like, oh my God, it's double XL, where I'm gonna go? The source was on the way down at that point. At that point, they had filed for bankruptcy. Vibe had discontinued and then came back. So it wasn't like the magazine business was thriving. And um, something had happened in double XL where I was like, yo, I gotta get the fuck out of here. Like there was an incident and I was like, yo, I gotta, I can't. And um, I didn't know where I was gonna go. and the universe, like the clouds open up and three weeks later, I'm at MTV. Like it, it happened that quick. But um, 
you know, the transition was great. It was something that I was ready for. And it was, it was funny too, because when I, I went to MTV at the time, like I said, I, I didn't think I had any job prospect because I wasn't looking. And then when I said, okay, I got to look, the first place was MTV and it just manifested really quickly. And then somewhere in that process, BT, I also ended up interviewing with BT. So I had, I had MTV and I had BT. And I knew I was going to pick one of them because I, I was getting the fuck out of Double XL. And the tone of the MTV interview was just like, yo, Rob, we want you to come. What, what do we got to do for you to come work with us? And the tone of the BT interview was like, well, who are you and why should we hire you? Uh, so just even from the interview process, I said, Oh, I know where I'm going. Like, you know what I'm saying? And um, and I ended up going to MTV and it was great, man. A, a guy by the name, he's he's an unsung hero by the name of Ramon Dukes. Not Ramon, that dude there. Solid, yeah. solid dude. He's not on camera a lot. A lot of people don't see him as a front facing, but he hired me and he was my boss over there, and he groomed me in between Ramon Dukes and Sway Calloway. Um kind of turned me from a from a writer or just a writer to to on camera. And when I was at when I was at Double XL, I had did some on camera things and I was discouraged from doing it. They was like, oh you're terrible. Oh, you wow. don't ever do that again. And I was just like, oh shit. You know what I'm saying? It's like those type of things. Um even the rapping when I was at Double XL, it, it got back to me. It was like, nah, you can't rap and do this. Like you gotta pick more. And so, you know, it's things like that. So but when when I got to MTV they had groomed me. So when I got to MTV, what happened was basically the job was um, the hip hop news writer. It might have been, I ended up, I think it was like hip hop news writer was the first title or some shit like that. Or maybe it was editor. And um, all they, requ they required me to do four stories a day. It was like, yo, you got to do four stories a day. And we're not talking about blog posts. I'm talking about stories, either original reporting online or I can repurpose somebody else's reporting, but it, but it had to be more than a blog post. I had to really okay. flesh out a story. So I had to do four a day. When I got there, I, I hustled. Again, I hustled it. I, see, I saw it as a hustle. I was doing six, seven stories a day. Damn. I, was, I was doing four. By lunchtime, I was on my fourth story. Because I'm just looking at it like I need, I'm, I need to show I'm bringing value to myself. You know, it goes back to that. That was the same thing that got me on as a freelancer. If they gave me a week to hit a deadline, I'm hitting it in three days. I'm bringing value to myself. I'm like, how can I go over and beyond so I can stand out and and still make my shit quality? So that's how I was on it at MTV. And then one day I was there for maybe two or three weeks and Sway was like, I didn't really know Sway, but we were having a debate about something. And Sway was like, yo, I like you. He was like, yo, you're going to get an opportunity to be on camera. And I, I don't know when and I don't know how, but you're going to get an opportunity. So stay ready. And, and the, the, what I'm going to tell you is when those camp, when that camera goes on, be yourself. He's like, because that camera changes people. He's like, be yeah. exactly who you are right now. And you're going to go far. And I never forgot that. And I just waited for my turn. And um, and it came man. and Ramon and Sway really kind of groomed me. Wow, yeah, I, you know, I remember the days of uh, Rap Fix. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that was instrumental uh, in the game. You know, what what's the, what are some of the biggest things you learned uh, from Sway and Ramon, like about you know how to develop yourself as a personality on TV? And, yeah, like you said not to change and, and not you know still stay yourself. Well, for Sway, one thing I learned 
again, and it was confirmation because I was never like an asshole. It, it was like how to treat people in this business, man. I, I, I would see Sway, we'd be walking down the halls in MTV and he would greet the maintenance worker, you know, the, the janitor guy or, or the person, um, the cook at, in the lunch room in MTV because MTV has a lunch room. He would greet them with the same excitement, show them the same love, you know, the handshake and the hug, you know how we do, that he would do to Nas when Nas walked in the building or that he would do to any rapper. Like, it would, he would give them the same energy. And I walked down the street with Sway and I see him shake every hand and say what's up and, and really show love. Um, and that confirmed to me and taught me it's okay to be a, a normal person in this business. Like, you don't have to be an asshole. You don't have to look down on people. You don't have to have this air of superiority. And you can still be great. Because to me, Sway is the greatest. Like, there's no debate to me of Sway's greatness. But there's not this air of superiority. He just commands respect. And he gets respect. And he doesn't accept anything less. But he doesn't treat people lesser either. You know what I mean? Um, and then, you know, I, I, learned, I learned things. I learned, like, how to interview. How, how to carry a good conversation when things go off the rail. How to handle the curveballs. Um, things to the, you know, the first lesson he gave me was a lesson about posture and my body energy on camera and what that conveys and how I'm not getting the best out of the artist. Cause if I'm in the, in the, on the couch with an artist and I'm slumped down like this, it, the energy is just going to be wrong. That was the first lesson he taught me. That was the first mistake I made. So I, I learned a lot from him. And then from Ramon, I learned how to deal with upper management, how to do the work, how to still keep it authentic but how to walk up in, in those meetings and then translate or convey what it was so we could get our point across and we could get our things through and we could get these projects signed off of. And Ramon was great at that. He never changed who he was, but he knew how to handle it on a very street level. And then, because sometimes with MTV, some of it was field reporting. Some of it, we was, in, we was literally in the streets, <laughs> like in the hoods with the MTV cameras, like at 2 oh, yeah. in the morning to go get a story. So, and, and that wasn't a problem for us. We all come from the hood, so we know how to maneuver, and, and, but also how to make that translate, you know, in, um, in, in those meetings and make the execs understand what we are doing and the importance of it. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, those dudes are solid. I mean, and I, I saw the Sway thing up close and personal when he came to Houston, and, uh, man, that guy is so loved and respected. Everybody knows him. Everybody respects him. Everybody shows him love. There's no, I hate suede. I mean, there's no energy like that at all, you know? And he knows how to, like you said, he knows how to make you feel like you're the only person in the room, you know, when he talks to you or, or whatever the case may be. That's a rare skill. Yeah. And, and Sway shared opportunity, opportunities that he's had with me. Like, um, you know, he'll have interviews and he'll be like, yo, Rob, what do you think? What do you think I should have such and such? What do you think to include? me it was he didn't need it it was to include me it was to let me sit in on the process and and you know in doing graphics there was times a lot of the graphics stuff i was doing working behind the scenes it was like whatever needs to be done i'm down um and then when sway asked me to come on camera with him then it was i was on camera too and and then you know it, like probably about 25 percent of what i do every day is in front of the camera maybe you know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, nah, I, I definitely learned so much from them dudes and, and, and I give it up every time. 
Yeah, uh, you know, th- those cats are so inclusive. Um, and they, they, they stick by that golden rule. It's enough out here for everybody to succeed. And you also want to look back and, and pick people up, too, man, because there were people who gave you a hand up, you know, when you needed to start out. And, and those guys, they never forget that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, I try. I, you know what I'm saying? I, I got a team over at Genius and, and that I work with. Specifically, obviously, Genius is, is, is a big company, over 100 employees. And but there's, there's people that I work with and I try, you know, I try to be it's certain shit. I just learn from sway, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, and I want, I want to give that back, man, because I know how I feel about my big homie. So, you know, I, I you know, somebody told me, I, Tim said this, Tim Hotep said, there's a difference between an OG and an old head and you don't never want to be an old head. You know what I'm saying? The old heads is bitter. And I have, and I have old head. I definitely have old heads. I definitely have people that I looked up to, that when I got to a certain point in my career, I saw the energy change. I was getting too close. Yeah, so they all got to do well, but not you know better than them. Yeah. So then you try to little bro me, and then and again it comes from that respect thing. I'm cool. I, I will give you that OG respect until you stop giving it. You know what I'm saying? That you know once I see the respect level ain't the same though, because you know I got to a point in my career. Let's be real. You know, you're not gonna little bro me. And you know, Daytuan never tried a little bromie. Sway never tried a little bromie. Ramon never tried a little bromie. You know what I mean? Like they allow me to grow, and and you know, we eat together and we all learn from each other and we all help each other out. Exactly, right? because when you eat with each other, now you got a bigger table. You can invite more people. Yeah, uh, it's, it's 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 all for the culture, man. Uh, mm-hmm. I really appreciate uh, that about you guys. Um, you know, so. Uh, you talked about genius, and I had to be honest. When I heard about it, just from the outside looking in, I was scratching my head. I was like, "You know, genius? What's going on with that?" You know. Yeah. Um, but you know, when then I thought about it, you know, you you know, you like this encyclopedia of hip hop, and it makes sense for you to go over there. You know, can you talk about like what you saw? Uh, you know, kind of in your head about what you could do with genius and how you could transform it into what it is now. Yeah. Um, and everybody was skeptical. I ain't gonna lie. When I went over there, it was a lot of phone calls. Like, really, dog? You leaving MCV? You know what it felt like? Um, the intro to Doggy Style I was like, really, dog? You got big screen TVs, <laughs> a hot tub? Over. You gonna give this up? A pound? You smoke a pound of weed every day? So I guess MTV again. It, it comes from that thing when you transition. It's like, yo, where you gonna go? That's bigger than MTV. And I kind of looked at it like Double XL was an established brand already that, that I worked um, for. But, you know, I, I use this analogy, this baseball analogy. When you play for the Yankees, you're supposed to win. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, like go do that at, with the Mariners. And now you, you talk. When you play with the Yankees, you're expected to win. Same thing with the MTV. Like, those, those were empires. Those were already established brands. And a lot of it, I benefited from the work that was put in before me. It's a fact. Like, I wouldn't have been able to have been as successful if I was if it wasn't for Shaheen Reed. Shaheen, you know, another big, another big homie. Yeah. Who came before me at MTV? We didn't work together at MTV. We didn't cross paths and, and work at the same time. But he has cemented a, a, a seat that allowed me to come in and and take where he took it, and then me take it. Um, when I when I went to Genius, it was a challenge, man. I, I you know I got to MTV and I was just like, yo, at that point I had reached I, th- I think a ceiling. I was like, there was nothing left for me to do at MTV except 
what I did twice. Like, just do it again. Um, we were real successful with Hottest MCs for whatever political reasons they have pulled Hottest MCs from us. Um, you know, the last Hottest MCs we did before we left was the one where Kanye was going off about Sway in the TV and all of this. Like, our traffic was up 300% from the year before. And MTV didn't want to bring it back, and we couldn't get no support to bring it back. And I, could, I was like, we did 300% more year over year. What, what are you talking about? They had canceled rap fix. You know, Sway started transitioning to Sway in the morning, and, and rap fix wasn't coming back. So, you know, I, I was just like, ain't really nothing left for me to do here. Um, but at Genius, it, it just kind of felt like something that was new something on the come up. I knew what Genius was as a lyric site. And when I sat down with, with the two co-founders, with two of the three co-founders, Tom and Alon, we had one conversation over lunch and we just talked about what we saw the future of Genius being. And we were just throwing ideas around. And I'm proud to say like, yo, we brought so many of those ideas to life. Like we really did from what we talked about during that lunch. And I, I wasn't the only one. I, I, I was a, the first hire for what's called the content team in Genius. There wasn't really um, a content team. It was just people pitching in and, and, and doing what they can. And I was the, the first hire. And then Brendan Frederick came, and he's the chief content officer now. And he he put, like, a real structure to it. And, and you know, he's kind of the, the real architect behind how the whole thing is organized and goes. And um, Liz Milch is over there. And and, you know, just started building the team. And, you know, I was just blessed to be a part of it, um, you know, and and, and, and and help drive that, you know? Yeah, I, you know, I love, like, some of the things that you got to manage and implement over there. I like that on-the-record segment you do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you know, you really get a chance to get personal, uh, not just with the artists, but their, their actual creation. You know, so sometimes, you know, you get kind of surface level about whatever album they might have. Oh, what's the title? But you know, you really dig deep into the lyrics, the actual theme behind, okay, what were you thinking here? And what was the, the impetus on this and whatever else? I really like how you, you know, you dive in on those segments. Yeah, man, because because what what it what it and thank you for that. What what it offers us to do. Another thing why I left MTV, I I, I realized MTV, I was doing more entertainment journalism than music journalism. Everybody, after a while, everybody in the music space started following the TMZ model. Okay. And that just didn't feel good to me. I'm just not, like, I couldn't sit there with Rick Ross and talk about Lyra Galore, who he was dating at the time. Like, I just ain't feel right asking these questions. And and truthfully, I didn't care. Like, unless there was a lyric about, like, dog, you know, at the time, he, he might have just been coming off a of mastermind or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, nah, let's talk about this music. Like this Rick exactly. Ross, like I don't care who he's dating unless it ends up in the bar. So um, Genius was a place where I was like, oh, we could focus on the music. And I, I think, I honestly think we changed a lot of things. I think I think a lot of people was going in the in the TMZ direction. I see a lot of people in the interviews who weren't doing it before asking artists, yo, so what did you mean when you said this lyric? Or what did you mean when you said that? And I think whether it's directly or indirectly, that's like genius influence. And what we did with For the Record was, first of all, the set is so important. And this is when I, I'm saying we have a, a dope team. Shout out to my man, Opie. I don't want to forget people who are involved, but I remember talking about Opie about it, and he helped get that set built. 
and we talked about wanting records on the wall because I wanted to build a set. I wanted to be in a set that when you walked in and inspired you to talk about music. Real vinyl too. Yeah. Right, yeah, now nah, real vinyl. And you know, and, and it's again, not to shit on anybody else, but I think our set is different. Like when you, like there's nothing like it in the music space. It just inspires you to talk about music. Um, so that was the, that was the goal for me, and 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 you know I'm interested in that stuff, and and I want to serve the fans who are interested in that beyond the surface level. Like, who's the features on this album? Like, you could Google that. <laughs> like, yo, where did this song really start? What was the conversation that started this song? Where where did you come up with this when you said this? You know, one of my favorite interviews in recent memory was um, interviewing Little Kim for for, for her nine album. But, you know, we just ended up getting into war stories. And I'm like, yo, how did you and Big come up with another? If you if you listen to the record, they're fighting on the record. They're arguing. You know what I'm saying? How did y'all come up with that? She was like, no, we was really in the studio arguing. And, and I'm like, so when when you come out, when, when I suck your dick, is like smoking a roach. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what's the reaction? <laughs> So, you know, we just, I'm, those are the conversations I want because I, I wasn't around for that. I, I would like to be a final. I remember asking her, yo, what was the reaction when you did the Ray J record? And you was like, wait a minute, ain't that Brandy, brother? Like, it, it's just certain <laughs> lyrical moments that we remember, right? She was like, yo, Ray J was kind of like tight at first, but then he got it, you know what I'm saying? And, and shit like that. So it's like, those are the conversations I, I, I love to have. And, and with artists, as long as you're creating with intent, I'm like, let's talk about it. You know, it's uh, kind of one of one of the things I like to kind of compare it to is, you know, if you're an old school, you know, you know, real rap head back in the day when you used to get that CD or whatever, not just pulling out the CD and listening to music, you used to pull out that booklet and look at, you know, the names of the tracks, the names of producers and, you know, samples, who they thanked, all these other things. You know, if you were a real head you looked at that and really looked into it. And I feel like that's what you guys offer. Be yeah. it your, your channel, your, you know, your uh, site and, and your conglomerate is for people who used to read, you know, the inside booklet and, you Thank know, get you. all that information about it. Thank you. Yeah. Cause I was definitely that kid, man. Like I, I, I cause you know, we didn't have the internet, I guess there was nothing else to do. Like, but that's how I knew names like, you know, you listen to a gangster album or, you know, anything that Premier produced and you know the name Eddie Sancho because he, he mixed it or it was just, or, or just reading the thank yous. It's like, that's how I learned who was, who was the program director at Hot 97 and, and who was this and who was that. And so that, that was big for me. That's even when Jay, when Jay on, on volume three, when he just starts the album, I know, I know you just ripped the packaging off your CD. You're probably going through the credits right now. Like that was so big. I remember being on the train listening to that for the first time and looking around like, yo, is this motherfucker watching? <laughs> but that that's what we did, man. And and yeah, so uh, that's a that's a great analogy. And, and and for me, that's really the goal, man. Cause and it feels great now even to be mentioned. Like I remember the first time I got my name mentioned in the thank you of a liner note, man. That shit meant so much to me. That's real. That had to be crazy there. Yeah, man. Two chains. Yeah. Two chains was the first one. Wow. What did he say? It was just thank you. It was just thank you and a bunch of list of names. And it was just Rob Markman was there. And I, I was like, damn, that's 
That's crazy. It was on. It was on his first album. On based on a true story. And what you could probably picture is some kid like you back in the day looking at that and saying, "Who's this Rob Markman guy?" You know, right. uh, that that had to be kind of a, a crazy full circle moment. Uh, just to yeah. experience something like that. Yeah, it, it it was cool, man. And um, you know, now we don't even get liner notes anymore. Like we don't even get thank yous. That's why too on my la- on my last album is too late at the wait. I did the thank yous as a as a track. I just let the instrumental play on the last song. The last song ended, but I let it skip to another track, but the instrumental still playing. And I just said my shout outs because I was like, I'm from that era where if I was doing physicals like the way we were back in the day, I would have definitely wrote all of my thank yous. And I was exactly. like, like, I'm not missing out on that opportunity. I got a lot of people to thank. So I just, I just made my thank yous this home track. So, you know, it's, it's easy to see, you know, your success there at Genius because, I mean, you really translated to where I can just look at the logo and know it's Genius. And I, and I like if I go look up some lyrics, I go to the Genius. You know, there, there are a lot of things that Google would bring AZ lyrics, I think, or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. I go to the Genius lyrics because I feel like that's going to be the most authentic and, and you know, I'm going to get the real lyrics that I'm looking for. Uh, I know it had to be tough in the beginning. You know, what was your process like kind of pushing through whatever difficulty? What were some of your difficulties? You know, uh, there was a lot of difficulties. And, and, and I want to say, now nah, that's dope of you to say and shout out. I mean, there's a whole design team that works on the logo and shit like that. So I don't want to make it look like I'm taking credit for, for <laughs> all of that stuff. And there's a transcription team that helps with the transcripts. Um, but early on, I, I guess there was, there was some, there was a perception of genius early on, I think, when I got there at least. Um, and also people just didn't know what we were trying to do. So I, I know early on, it was hard for me to get artists to come again. We talked about relationships earlier. So I'm like, all right, I got good relationships, man. I'm just going to call up so-and-so and such and such. And, you know, I'll bring them through. We'll film some interviews and let's go. And it wasn't as easy as I thought. It was hard to really convince artists that coming to genius, that filming something with genius was worth their time. Um, so it didn't, it didn't happen right away. That was the first difficulty is, is, is and our, our thing is in Brooklyn and it's not in Manhattan. So when a lot of artists are going on their press runs, they was like, what? I got to come to Brooklyn. No out, yeah, it was crazy. Shout out to DJ Khaled. Very early on, DJ Khaled was one of the first artists that we filmed with after I got there and he came to Brooklyn. He got lost two hours. He got, I had to call Khaled for whatever reason they have a GPS. He called me and he was all the way on the other side of Brooklyn. And I was giving his driver turn by turn directions. Wow! Based off a landmark because he was like, "Oh, I'm by a cemetery and a Burger King." And I said, "I said, oh shit, I know where you are." And I'm at, without seeing that, I'm giving them turn by turn directions how to get there. And shout to Khaled because he could have turned around and said, "Yo, man, we got lost. It's been two hours. I'm going back." And he was like, "Nah, man, I get. I didn't gave this time. I told you I was coming. I'm coming." And Khaled came. So shout to Khaled. Shout to Wiz. Wiz was one of the early ones that did an on-camera interview. Um, Joe Budden was the first that did an on-camera interview um, with me um, when I first got there. And Lil Wayne and 2 Chains when they dropped their Kylie Grove album. I remember trying to get that interview and, and Mac Main was like, look, man, you know I fuck with you. You know Wayne fuck with you, but I don't know what genius is like. Nobody, y'all don't do video. If y'all do this, nobody gonna see it. If I if I give you Wayne for an hour and nobody see it, then it's like we wasting an hour. And I I got what he was saying. 
you know, back then we had 16,000 YouTube subscribers. Now we have almost 9 million. Nice. Um, and I, I was like, I get it. And then Chains was like, look, man, I'm in. I fuck with you. I'm in. Tech was like, Chains is in. If you can convince, but you, you got to convince Wayne to do it, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? So Mac was like, man, I'm trying, man, but I just don't see a way. And I, I was just like, bro, just trust me. Like, if, if you, because when I was at MTV, I had TV. So I could say, yo, if I get you an interview, I could put it on MTV Jams. I could put it on here. I could put it on here. It wasn't just online. So I always had a bargaining chip. I didn't have TV as a bargaining chip. And I, you know, I told Mac, just, yo, trust me. I know it's hard to see, but trust me. If y'all give me that, I'm going to blow this interview up. And um, he was like, man, we'll see. And then he called me. Uh, a couple weeks later, he was like, listen, let's do it, but you got to come to Atlanta tomorrow, and we got to do it in Atlanta. And we flew to Atlanta, and we did it. You know what I'm saying? And, and it blew up. The shit got a million hits. The, when we put it out, you know, I, I, I ain't going to say exactly what I did to get the views up and to get it, but again, I'm a hustler, man, so I, I hustle for how to get it placed on the right blogs at the right time, and listen, man, if y'all put this up, I'm going to give you this. This is yours, and just give me this. And he was hustling something. No money was exchanged. It was nothing like that. It was it was a good content swap. You know what I'm saying? And um, Mac Main called me the next day, so I'm like, "Fuck, man, what the fuck he want, man? Something wrong?" Like, <laughs> after we put it out, I was like, "Fuck!" So I'm going to a meeting, and I pick up Mac. Was like, "Yo, whoa, I don't know what you did, but that bitch is." Everywhere, man. Everywhere, every site we go to, that fucking interview is up, man. You killed it. And, you know, the, the rest was history. That was the first Genius video that did over a million. It was the Kylie Grove interview. They were just mad that I wasn't in it. We, the only thing, we didn't have enough cameras. Okay. So, so I had Wayne and Chains, and I was interviewing them, but I was off camera. So um, I remember Tech was just like, damn, the only shit, bro. He said, man, you were supposed to be in that shit. But but if you go back and watch that two chains and Lil Wayne interview, it was a dope interview, yo, and it's a dope conversation. It's crazy how you know you mentioned earlier where you know you're respected, like like you said, you were respected at MTV because you had that brand behind you. But then in, in a lot of people's eyes, you lost that some of your power, your superpowers, because you weren't with that like, that brand behind you. But like, hey, I'm still Rob. You know what? Yeah. If I say something's gonna happen. You know, trust me because I made it happen here and there. You know, sometimes it's hard to translate that for people. Um, you know, in a lot of situations. Uh, yeah. You know, so, so I, you know, I see you had to go through that. Yeah, uh, and, so, yeah. and sometimes you gotta you gotta prove it, man. Like I, I'm not mad at Matt. Like when Matt told me, because Matt got shit that he gotta consider. Like Wayne is a business. Like you got shit that you gotta consider, and the fact that that was it was Wayne's album. But it was on Def Jam, you know what I'm saying? And, and Wayne's going through his shit with, with Baby at that time. It's a lot of shit going on. I get it. So, you know, I, I'm my relationship with them is that if I call Mac Main, that he's gonna pick up the phone and we're gonna try to figure it out. And if it could work, great. And if it don't work, you live with the results. I, you know, I, I think for me, that's the value of a relationship. Like, yeah, because you can't force anybody to do, but. Once I kind of laid it out, Mac was like, all right, this makes sense. Now let me just find a way to make it make sense on my end. And, you know, it took a little work, but that shit is valuable to me. You know what I mean? And, and, and um, yeah, and it, some people were suckers with it. <laughs> like, absolutely. Like, 
You know what I'm saying? Won't even pick up the phone. And then, but then you build back genius to thing. But those, those are things that you don't forget. I ain't forget none of that. Yeah. But, you know, like you said, um, it's almost like, you know, you were you know, like a, a, a whatever player at, on a team, maybe MTV and double XL, but with genius, you were like Kawhi Leonard. You brought a whole championship to a team that ain't never had it and whatever else. And you put it on the map. And yeah. that makes you a real legend. When yeah. You can build something and say, I built that. I made it, this happen. It, it's funny. Thank you for saying that. Cause I believe that. Like I, I, I definitely see that. And when we kind of talk about the greats in the field of what we do, I might not say it a lot, you know what I'm saying? Cause it's just like, man, there's still more work to do, but hell yeah. Like respect that shit. And, and very few have done it because it's hard to do, man. And, very hard. And, and it takes teamwork. I'm, I didn't do it all on my own, but um, I was a big part of that shit. And, and currently a big part of that shit. I mean, there's still so much more for genius to do. Um, and I'm proud of it. That's probably the thing that I'm most proud of in my career. Again, I'm a big Yankee fan, man, but, you know, it's easy to hit home runs when when when, when you with the Yankees. It's easy to win when you with the Yankees, man. Let's, you know, I, I seen when when Cano went to Seattle. You know, what I'm saying it ain't work out so well, man. It's harder exactly. to win when you with the Mariners. Yeah, when you when you when you bring it to a town that ain't never seen it. Yeah, or well, Kawhi, that's Kawhi is, is the perfect thing. Is the perfect analogy. He probably never had to pay for another drink in Toronto ever again. I mean, nah, man. Uh, and, because even when he left, you Kawhi gets so much respect. Because even when he left, yo, he dipped after a season. Nobody was mad at all. You know what I'm saying? Like you seen when LeBron left and they was burning his jerseys and all this disrespectful shit. Nah, man, Kawhi left and you couldn't do nothing but salute him, man, and respect him. Yeah, brought it brought something serious to that town. So you know, yeah. it's a lot of power in in building something and doing something that had never been done before. Nah, facts. Uh, and speak so speaking of nothing that haven't been done before, you transition, you know, and you drop, you know, your first album, Write the Dream. Um, you know, and I remember seeing it and like, that's a dope ass, you know, uh, because you know, we we're both writers, and yeah. I just it was it, it caught me, you know, the title and the concept and everything else. Um, can you talk about what was I guess the um you know, the turning of the tide for you to actually go ahead and just drop this and yeah. really make it official. First of all, I, I didn't want to do Right to Dream at first. I tried to figure out every other name because my label is called Right to Dream. The first album is called Right to Dream because, um, you know, obviously Kanye has good music, Getting Out Our Dreams. Cole has Dreamville. Meek has Dream Chasers. I was just like, I can't. You know, hip hop, you can't. But Right to Dream, I just couldn't escape it. It was just so perfect based off of, like you said, where we came from. And what we was going through um there was a couple of turning points man um one i, I gotta shout out logic logic was one of the ones that kind of put the battery in my back I, I was um in a van with him we were going from new york to his hometown in maryland to do an interview shoot for mtv and we were just talking and he, he was like man you should just start rapping again like you know what i'm saying he was like yo you're dope like da 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 da, da. so i was Back then, this is like 2014, I started doing freestyles in my basement and I would just send them to the homies. You know what I'm saying? And then um, in 2017, 2016, I was on the Breakfast Club promoting Genius's shit. You know, it was just me going up to the Breakfast Club to talk about Genius 
um, just to get us some press, let people know what we were doing. We, we were doing some new things. So Charlemagne was like, yeah, absolutely, man, come up. So we're talking about my career as a journalist and we're talking about genius. And Charlemagne makes a comment and he was like, man, I love that you have a career in journalism. Thank God you never used to rap because people coming up feeling like, yo, that the only way out is rapping. He, you're showing them another way out. Thank God you never used to rap. And there was a part of me that was just going to let that ride. And in the back of my head, I said, damn, all the people that I came up with who know I used to rap, like, I don't want to be a liar. So I owned up to it. I was like, nah, actually, I did used to rap. That was my first. I thought I was going to be a rapper. Oh, man, fuck out of here. Oh, da, 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 da. You know Charlamagne. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, yo, spit something. And I had, um, I'm still actively writing rhymes, but I didn't go up there to spit. So I had something that I wrote and I pulled it up on my phone and I kind of spit it reading off my phone, you know, Drake style when he was with this <laughs> thing, right? <laughs> so they was like, oh shit, that shit was actually kind of good. Like, what, yo, the fuck? And then Charlemagne looked at my phone at the note. He was like, yo, the date is from three days. He was like, you just wrote that. I was like, yeah, that's why I ain't have it memorized and nothing like that. And that little part went viral to the point like as soon as it hit killer mike i get a text from killer mike and and killer mike is somebody who i love and i respect um on so many levels that dude yeah yeah like killer mike when i was at double xl um going through it like pledge of allegiance too he was like man if you don't like your boss maybe you should fire your boss like that shit put the battery in my back like (laughs) mike mike is so dope and, and he's giving me life jewels but i don't speak to mike often we don't speak. Oh, we got each other's numbers. It's not like that's just not our relationship. But when that shit came out, Mike hit me and said, Yo, I like that. Keep going. So I'm like, oh shit. And then um, you know, I'm with my man Hovane. And he was like, Yo, I think I think we could get a deal. I'm like, fuck out of here. <laughs> wow. So and he went and set up a deal with Empire Distribution for for um to do the first record, just based off of that one freestyle. Um, nice. So I was presented with the opportunity, so I said, fuck it, let me do it. And I signed the deal in 2016, and um, I worked on the project and then released it um, in the summer of 2017. So that bar, that, that was, that's, that's the one that ended up in I Don't Want to Wait, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I, had, I had to pull that one out. It's, uh, yeah. Thought Jordan's and gold chain was living, so I molded my image out of God's son's vision to the point every communion that I'm getting, I'm in bread 11s and Bordeaux sevens. Christ, it was written and rap was our religion. That is fucking dope. <laughs> yeah, now, I ain't gonna lie, I wrote that, and I wrote, I, I came up with that on the train. I was writing on the train, and I came up with that. And when I hit, the, I was on the train. When I came up with that, I just let out a whoo. Like, I was like, <laughs> that shit was cold. Like, because that shit is really a triple entendre. And really, where that shit came from is um, shout out to Sky Zoo. Sky Zoo had a song called um, Jordan, Jordan and the Gold Chain. I believe that was the title. It was on his album with Apollo Brown. And he had sent me the record with an empty verse. Cause he need, he wanted a, fr- a rapper friend that I knew to jump on the verse, so he passed it to me like, "Yo, can you send that to such such? Yo, can you hook hook it up?" So I tried to, 
And it, whatever reason, the feature just didn't work out. But when I had it, I started right into it. Like, but I was too scared. I was just timid. I was like, I ain't gonna ask God to get on this. But I, I started writing a verse to it. So, so it kind of came from that. And obviously, Jordan and the gold chain. That that's a Nas line. And um, you know, that whole bar is just like obviously Nas. I thought Jordan and the gold chain was living. So that's Nas. That's Jesus. That's Michael Jordan all wrapped up into one. So to the point, every communion that I'm getting, I'm in bread 11s or Bordeaux sevens. When you take the communion, it's the bread and it's the wine. So the bread 11s and the Bordeaux seven. Like I hit that. I'm, I'm just like, that shit is cold. That, when I wrote that shit, I'm like, man, I'm doing this shit, man. Motherfuckers can't fuck with me. I, I can rap. <laughs> like, yeah. I know it. You know what I mean? That's, yeah, that's like when you uh, when you throw the perfect, perfect pass or you hit this three-pointer, you know, with, it, it's, it's you know. Okay, I can do this. I, you know, I, I was able to do something that, that even made me excited. Like you said, you, you let out one uh, when you wrote it. Um, you know, so talk about how you, when it actually dropped, you know, what was that feeling like? And, you know, what was the initial, you know, feedback that you got from, uh, from the project? It, it, it was good. I think people were surprised at how good it was. You know what I'm saying? I think people were expecting me to make like a, a, a compilation or, or rely on a lot of features. And it's just hard for me to ask anybody for anything. It was hard for me to get features from people. I did ask for features on that album. Um, and just none of them really came to fruition. And after a while, I said, well, I, I can't rely on nobody else. It got to be me. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I put it out. I was nervous. I was like, man, I don't think people going to get it. I don't think people going to understand. But I, I felt good enough to do it. Like I, I felt confident enough to do it. I didn't know if people were going to understand it or people were going to get it or people was going to give it the chance or look past the fact that they knew me as a journalist and to see me as a rapper with some other shit. But um, I felt good about it. And then when I put it out, I just felt accomplished. Like it felt crazy to hear my song on High 97. I cried when I heard my song on High 97 for the first time. And just because, again, I have a lot of relationships in this thing. I didn't send that to any DJs. Uh, DJ Enough played I Don't Want to Wait for the first time. I did not nice. send it. To, I did not ask him for airplay. I, because I just wasn't thinking about it. I didn't even think about it as a Hot 97 record. And and he did it. And me and Enough, too, have a good relationship. But it's not one of those relationships where we talk every day or that's my best friend. Or he that he even knew what I was doing. He didn't know I was putting something out. But he heard it and he played it. Like, he, he just... He just called me a couple of minutes before he played it. He said, yo, he was like, yo, what's up, Pop? I'm like, yo, what's good? I was in genius. I was in the office. I was just coming out of me. What's up, Pop? I'm good, man. Oh, you buy the radio? Yeah, I buy a radio. Yo, turn the radio on. I, yeah, I turned the radio uh, on and he's, he's playing Kendrick. It's like DNA. I think he was playing. It's two o'clock in the afternoon. It's not late. It's not three o'clock in the morning. It's two o'clock in the afternoon, and then he spun my shit right after. I I, I cried, dog. Like, you know what I'm saying? Especially because what that record meant to me. That record meant a lot. Like that was about my brother and another guy in my hood that helped kind of raise me and keep me out of the streets. So that was like my dedication to them, and um, that shit felt amazing. You know what I'm saying? And then Logic hits me a couple of weeks later, like, yo, I just sold out the Barclays. I was like, yeah, I know I got my ticket. I'm gonna be right there, bro. Yo, so I was thinking, man, you wanna come on stage with me and rap? I'm what? Like, what? 
Yeah, he, he was like, man, come on, man, let's just freestyle. Like, come on stage. He's like, I do it every night. I do just a freestyle section in, in, in my show. Just come up, man, and we'll rap over something, man. And and first he told me it was a Child Cold Quest beat. He told me the beat. I think it was World Tour or something. He was like, just have something to that tempo and just go. And then right before he changed it, um, he was like, yo, I want to do something. I'm in New York. I want to do something to honor Prodigy. So let's let's do Shook ones instead. You know, Prodigy had passed. I'm like, bet. And um, and we did that. And that was crazy to perform in the Barclays Center. That's on Flatbush Avenue. I'm from Flatbush in Brooklyn. Like that corner of Flatbush and Atlantic is right where I used to go to high school at, not too far from there, but a school called Brooklyn Tech. I used to battle on those corners. Like I used to after school rap on those corners, on that same corner where the Barclays is. And now I'm performing that motherfucker. That shit was the best feeling in the world. Yeah, so those are like two full circle moments where you used to, like you said, uh, work down the street from Hot 97, pass out mixtapes in front of Hot 97, and then boom, here you are on the radio, Hot 97. Like, you know, so I can imagine the, the rush of emotions you must get from that. And then, you know, it's like you come back home. A lot of times you don't get the respect you, you should from where you're from. You know, sometimes you have to go somewhere else or whatever else. You know, but here it is, yeah. major phones, and boom, you do a show, uh, you know, like you said, right in your hood, huge spectacle of an arena, that brand new Barclays Center, and you get out there and you get a chance to shine. Uh, that, I mean, that had to be another yeah, uh, full rush moment, too. I was le- I was levitating, bro. Like, I was out of my body. Like, it was almost that I ain't going to lie, bro. It was definitely like some eight-mile shit. Like, before I'm supposed to go on... I was like, yo, let me go use the bathroom. I went to the bathroom right behind the stage. I'm looking in the mirror. Like, that shit really felt like mom's spaghetti. Like, I'm a dog. I'm not seeing you. Like, it's just like that scene when Emma's just looking in the mirror. So I get out there, and they the only shit, they ain't have an in-ear for me. So I couldn't hear the mics. And okay. I was rhyming. And I was able to be on beat because the drums was kicking so hard. Hard. I, I could hear the drums. So Logic did an eight and then he passed it to me. I missed the beat. Mm. It felt like 30 seconds. It felt like the biggest fuck up in the world, but actually it might have been just two seconds. I, I might have started just two seconds late and then the beat came back around, but I couldn't hear Logic. For all I know, Logic could have been like, man, fuck you. You're the worst rapper in the world. <laughs> I didn't know what he was saying. And then I just went. And when I started rapping, the only thing I could focus on, like, cause, cause you see the crowd, but it's just a sea of people. And the shit that had me going was I look up and I see the Jay-Z banner from when he sold out eight nights at the Barclays. Nice. He the first thing that ever happened in Barclays Center was Jay-Z. I was at that show, that very first show. Jay-Z sold out eight nights, and then right after that, there's another banner for the notorious B.I.G. a rest in peace banner. And I'm just like, yo, I'm on the same stage that I always on. This crazy. And I'm spitting my rhyme, and it's just a sea of people. And then when I come back from my second verse, there's a certain line I had in there that I was banking on. I said, oh, his fans are going to get this. And they caught the line, and I just heard the roar from the crowd at a certain line. This shit just picked up. Like, yo, that shit was crazy. And um, it was a crazy experience. And then when I left, and my kids was there. My kids got to see it. I got kids tickets. They're watching the shit. And then nice. when I left, there's a bunch of kids outside 
Logic fans waiting for him to leave through the artist entrance. So as soon as I come out the artist entrance, you just hear yo, because they thought I was Logic. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They didn't see me. Because you like skin. <laughs> yeah, they show mad love, dog. They they motherfuckers wanted pictures, Snapchats, all the motherfuckers was like, yo, I'm downloading your album right now. Yo, they show so much love. And my kids is off to the side, like, yo, this is crazy. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, that shit was an amazing experience. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, it's one thing to get, you know, random people to appreciate you, but your own kids look, you know, you be kind of that like that, that look, that yeah. proud look. Yeah, uh, nothing better than that. Yeah, I, I had a conversation with my son that night because he I think that's when he realized because he was like that. He was 12 at the time. He was like, when did you write your first rap? You were 12, right? Because I had told him before. Yeah, I was 12 when I wrote my... And he was like, okay, so you wrote your first rap when you was 12. And now you're how you're doing it. Like, for real. He was like, so I'm 12 now. So does that mean anything that I do right now that I could do that when I grow up? And I'm like, dog, absolutely. Like, that's the point. Like, and for me, that shit made everything worth it. Like once he realized that, and I seen the light bulb go off in his head that he could manifest his shit in a very real way. That was it, dog. Like I, I was like, I don't care if I sell another record. I don't care how much the streams. Like I did my job. You know what I mean? That's even more, you know, special if you think about it than actually getting on stage because you know this is just you know your seed, the next generation, and that's the mm -hmm. scariest part of being a parent is to be able to steer them, inspire them. And set them on to a path where they, you know, do better than you, hopefully. Uh, and in that moment, yeah, you, get, you, you know, you get a roadblock right there. You you hit a checkpoint where, okay, you know, you've done your job as a father. Yeah, nah, that 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 that's it right there, man. And I, you know, I had I had a moment with my dad where he was in the hospital, and you know. He, I guess he's thinking about mortality. I, I knew he was going to be all right, but I think, you know, it was scary. He had a quadruple bypass surgery. I'm like, nah, you're going to make it, man. But we're, we're having that moment in the hospital. And my father tells me, he said, yo, I just want you to know you surpassed me. He was like, everything that I've accomplished in my life, you surpass that. And that makes me the most proud. So to have that moment with my dad, like, you know, I think that's all the father wants. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't want my kids to fall short. Of where I, I want them to take the baton and run with it. I want them to have a better life than I ever had. You exactly. Know? Exactly. Uh, so you got you got this new single, um, "Easy Money Sniper," um, and you have to be a, a, a NBA head to even know uh, what that means right off top. You know that's that's Kevin Durant. Uh, yeah. I never understood the, the the moniker, but you know I, I know "Easy Money Sniper" is Kevin Durant. Uh, so I'm, I'm mm -hmm. gonna play a quick, quick snippet here, real quick. With a marksman, bet nobody ever gave us nothing. You work for everything you get, and you work some more. Come on, CEO mind that marketing plan was me. No marketing plan B turned off when the MC shit. Told him I was coming so far in the stampede. The game dirty as could be, but pardon me, can't leave. Motivational music, you holding back on some. There's motivation to do it. They ever doubted you? There's motivation to prove it. Tomorrow's never promised, so all that waiting is foolish. Just understand they gon' laugh at first. 
You probably call it trash at first. Did my 10,000 hours. It's had to work. It don't matter. Keep going. That's how passion work. I don't want it now. I want it right now. It's an obsession. It's a lifestyle. Everything I dream, I'ma write down. I hit these goals till they turn the fucking lights out. I ain't want nothing so bad in my life. I ain't never think twice. I made the sacrifice. I'ma give it all that I got. Easy money sniper, bitch. Yeah, I'm calling my shot. I ain't want nothing so bad in my life. I ain't never think twice. Right, I made right. the sacrifice. Right, what up? I'ma yeah. give it all that I got. Easy money sniper, bitch. Yeah, I'm calling my shot. Uh, that man, I can tell you, you could literally hear the hunger in that opening salvo right there. The ten thousand hours. Yeah. The, I want it right now. You know what? What mind state were you in when you made this record? Especially since you know this is you know I guess part of your third project. Like you know what yeah. kind of space yeah. were you in? Um, it was just like take it up a level. It's just like what you know. I feel accomplished in terms of. Yeah, I'll, I'll share this. Um, I got I got invited to go on tour with with Royce the Five Nine and and TJ Premier a couple of years ago for their album, for their Prime album. The tour ended up getting canceled because of um, Premier's father passed away. So, but that happened. And when he announced that, I was so proud. Like, I respect those guys so much. I grew up over, Pusha T hit me. and said, bro, you made it. You did it. Everything else is a bonus. You did it. Like, look at who, who you're getting respect from. Um, but I, I still don't feel like I get that respect. It's still fighting for that respect. Be, I, I see the slick shit. I said, I'm just like, just respect me, dog. Like, I ain't no journalist who happens to rap. Like, I could rap. <laughs> like, with anybody. You put me on track with anybody and it's going to go. And so, you know, I guess that's where that was stemming from. You know what I'm saying? And, and really the beat just kind of brought that out of me. Um, and... It, it was really me just um, talking my shit, cause cause I, I I've learned to do that more. Like now nah, I'm gonna talk. Like CEO mind that marketing plan was me. You know that's a J line, but nah CEO mind that marketing plan was me. No marketing plan B turn Markman to MC. Just from the from the fact of going to from a journalist to to an MC, nobody else thought it. That's me. And when nobody exactly. believed, I did that. Like that, nobody else take credit. Nobody made me. I'm self-made, and then just going through it and really think about it. Yo, I put in my ten thousand hours. Like this shit is gonna go. Like when it's all said and done, like I still have a journey to go. But people, when I leave my legacy, people gonna see me as both. They're gonna be like, "Damn, he did it in music and he did it in journalism." That's some Bo Jackson shit. You know what I'm saying? Um, so that's where it just came from, and and and, and the energy and the emotion put into that you know yeah and this is you know hip-hop is a sport as you know gladiator sport and you know you can't be afraid to show some hubris you know you gotta like you said talk your shit you gotta you gotta put it out there yeah because you know I, I i never wanted to see that my other shit is i don't want to step on nobody like i we could we could say i'll battle whoever like i, I don't that but you know there's other people who do it too like i'm gonna talk my shit but you know what I'm saying? I, I look, man. Um, I know the um Forbes DVD, I'm rap. 
like he raps too. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, so I'm not I'm not even putting myself like I'm the only one. Like he do interviews and he raps, you know, or when Angie Martinez did it, you know what I'm saying? Um, you could say Big Tigger, you know what I'm saying, kind of did the interviews and he rapped, like, but I still feel like I'm the first me, you know what I'm saying? And 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 there was no path laid out before me. I had to really carve that shit, and I'm proud of it. And so I'm gonna talk my shit, you know. And, and it's like again, I be seeing slick shit that it'd be so funny, man. Rappers, you know, again, sometimes there's shots that only rappers hear. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So it's definitely is some of my our verses. There's subs at certain people or, or things that go back and forth that nobody may ever catch, but as long as you heard it, like who I intended it for. Like, don't play with me. <laughs> you know exactly. what I'm saying? Exactly. So. Uh, yeah, man. I, I can't wait for it, man, because I, I really like that track. Uh, you know, I love the hunger on it and, and the way you, you know, like you said, you interspersed that taking that shot. Um, I can really relate to it on, on a whole lot of levels. Um, you know, so I can talk to you yeah, all about man. music. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and ultimately, I just wanted to be motivating. Like I wanted it to be like for anything. If you rap, even if you in the gym, just to get through your last set. You know what I'm saying? If you if you playing ball and you're trying to make the team, I, I just wanted to make something motivational too. Because I think ultimately, when it's all said and done, I'm gonna be seen as a motivator and an inspiration. And there's gonna be a lot of people, even if I never raise a platinum plaque. There's gonna be people who come up who be like, "Damn, I started rapping because I seen Rob do it, or I started doing this because I seen Rob." And the transition that he was doing, and um, and I'm cool with that. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, now you know I can't let you get out of here without you know talking some hoops. I know you're a big time Knicks fan. Um, you know, I mean, your team has been a little snake bit. Um, what did you think about oh the time? You, you, you're choosing nice words. <laughs> <laughs> the Tivoli high. Yeah, you're choosing nice words. Um, yeah, I'm a big Knicks fan. I wish the Knicks was fans of me. I wish the Knicks loved me as much. Being with the Knicks is just like an abusive relationship. <laughs> like, um, I'm optimistic about the Thibodeau hire. Like, I, I hope you know what I'm saying with Wes and Leon Rose, and I, I, I do think that the Knicks have. I think it's a culture problem. I think it's an atmosphere problem. I think, you know, when Porzingis leaving, like, it's just like, yo, losing is contagious. And it's a fucking, like, it's a, it becomes a cancer. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I think that starts with the organization. So, um, you know, does that automatically make us a championship contender? Nah. But I, I think with Thibodeau and, and Lee Rose and, like, we're going to have some respect ourselves. I hope. You know what I mean? Um, I just want to make the playoffs one year. Like I'm, I'm, I'm realistic. I'm like just going to win the playoffs. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the draft. I like the way that um, RJ is is developing, and and and. But we need other pieces, man. You know, um, losing Porzingis hurt. Like yeah. I was watching, I was watching Dallas play the other night, and I'm just like, how do how do we have the unicorn, and we just couldn't. Get that shit though. That's crazy. Yeah, you know, I mean, man? that was from the outside looking in. I was like, oh man, they're gonna they're gonna pay for that for a while. 
And, uh, you know, when I heard about the Tibbs hiring, I was I was salty because I felt like that should have been a homecoming for Mark Jackson. You know, I, I feel like he would have been a better I, hire. I, I think I, I I agree with you. I would I would have liked Mark Jackson as well, and and I, I kind of gave up on the Mark Jackson thing when we hired um old boy instead of Mark um that Phil um Hornacek right when um like when when that happened and and the whole fucking triangle thing when they didn't hire Mark then I, I I'm like something's up you know what I'm saying but ultimately it's Dolan like oh like. Dolan, if he's not gonna sell the team, he just gotta stay the fuck out the way, man. And let basketball people do basketball things, you know. Um, but I, I don't know. I ain't gonna lie, man. Like I, I don't, I don't know. Me and the Knicks, man. We, you know, it might be over for me and the Knicks, man. I, I don't know how much longer I could do this shit. <laughs> right now, right now, my favorite team is the Portland Trailblazers. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for Dame. Love what Dame is doing right now. Kill on the court, kill on the mic. I mean, yeah, the parallel right there. Uh, yeah, and me and Dane talk rap all the time. Like I, I love talking rap with Dane. I think he his new his new song Home Team, and then he just dropped another one called Ghost Spirit. Nah, Dane could go, like lyrically, and and he was doing his Four Ball Fridays. I was helping him out with that, you know, during um, the quarantine and stuff like that. And the way he's committed himself to rap and music. I don't. If people haven't seen it yet, they're gonna see. But you know, right now, just that laser focus on the court is crazy. It's incredible to watch. Yeah, I mean, I like how he he bounced back from you know they laughing at him and missing the the uh, game winning free throws. And I like how he owned up to it. He's like, man, you know, I'm out here shooting my shots. I'm gonna miss some. I'm gonna, you know, I gotta take that. But then he bounced back with what back to back fifty point game. <laughs> it's crazy. You know, uh, that dude is on another level, man. Yeah, nah, he, you know, it's, it's accountability. He knows he's the leader of that team. Yo, though, missing those free throws were bad. And, you know, I, I don't I don't think there was anybody who could, you know, he was hard on himself. Like, he knew what was at, at stake, and, and then he knew what he had to do to fix that. But at the same time, man, don't open your mouth. Don't try to play me. Exactly. Because you know what I do. <laughs> like, exactly. And, and so as much as accountability and humility that he has um he holds himself in high regard as he should man it's inspiring man we're we gonna see this man i i want to see him in the clippers somehow some way in the playoffs i know a lot of shit got to shake out to get there but it's like because that wave was vicious when he did it oh before George last year man i mean he just sunned him and he tried to say oh that was a bad shot now for him it's not nah that's nah, that's my shot <laughs> Like, dog, I got a new record that's coming. It's a feature that I did for somebody. And there's so many basketball references in that shit. Um, but um, I, there's a line that I'm just like, shit. Ask Dame Lillard, my wave different. I'm a Brooklyn boy, so you know that I'm made different. You know what I'm saying? Just But just the double entendre of my wave different. Ask Dame Lillard. Like, dog, I went off on that shit, man. But, um. Nah, that was incredible, man. He's given us some incredible moments. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I'm re I'm really excited. I thought the bubble was gonna be kind of crazy to watch, but they've done a really good job of making it entertaining. It, it you know, the angles, whatever they're doing, it really looks good on TV. Uh, so I'm, en yeah. I'm enjoying it. Players are taking it serious. They got they got it right. Listen, man, you gotta have to give Adam Silver a lot of credit 
um, because it wasn't easy. Obviously, there was a lot of skepticism. First of all, in, in shutting down the league when he did, and, and he's right. The country took a lot of cues because the NBA was one of the first ones to be like, yo, exactly. we got to pack it up. And and then when he decided to bring it back, obviously he was met with opposition. Obviously there was opposing view. You know, Kyrie was very outspoken. There were players who were very outspoken. But it looks like they've been able to keep everybody safe. You know, people were clowning them initially about the meals. You remember the, the photos we were getting? It looked like a fire fest. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but th- there's no cases that, that we know of, right? They're all getting tested, so there's no new reported cases. And then people are going to start leaving the bubble soon because it's, it's elimination time. So they should be able to, to finish it out healthy. And people are competing. I, I think there's a part of being in that same space, not going back home. Like you guys all kind of living together. Like I think it fuels the competitive edge even more because there's nothing else to really occupy your time with except focusing on the game. You know? Oh, yeah. And we're seeing people like, uh, they going from like who we play for to all of a sudden, you know, like TJ Warren, who saw him coming? Like, what? You know, uh, or what Devin Booker is able to do, what the Suns is able to do. It's like, yo, the competitive level is, is up. Um, it's fun that, to watch. Look, that kid's a star, man. He he is a star. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if Phoenix gonna be able to keep him. I don't know. It was funny. I, I said uh, there was a tweet after Draymond made the quote. It'd be funny if Golden State tried to put the package together and said Draymond the Phoenix. <laughs> I don't get, know. You get what possible. you want, but then you get what you don't want. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that would just be some funny shit. But, you know, I was wondering too, though. Like, I was like, I wonder if they'd be squaring up in the staircase. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, do, do Paul George and Dame just got, hey, man, give me five minutes, man. Like, because they, they live so close. But not, nah, it's amazing. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, yo, it's been a huge pleasure having you on, man. Um, I really appreciate you blessing uh, the podcast with your time. Um, all the rebels out there, make sure you go check out Rob's work. Um, not only a genius, but, you know, check out his music. I mean, it's really worth a listen. Uh, check out that Easy Money Sniper. Uh, it's just an appetizer for the full course coming. You got you to gotta take a bite. Um, mm. You know, and, you know, thanks to everyone out there for hanging with us. And uh, make sure you like and subscribe uh, the podcast. Stay tuned for the next show. We drop episodes each and every Thursday. Uh, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, wherever you like your podcast coming from. Uh, you can find us every Thursday morning. And, uh, you know, for me, for Mr. Rob Markman, uh, we'd like to thank you and we'll see you next time. And please stay rebellious. Peace.